let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and in doctrine. And we preached on this verse and the last verse last Thursday. Um, I jumped over the phrase that rule well last Thursday because I'd like to take a message tonight to talk about just that phrase that says that rule well. What does it mean biblically to rule well? What is that? We need to know because we want to do all things pleasing unto the Lord. But ruling is a way of governing. Ruling is a way of controlling and commanding with proper authority. That's what it means to rule by definition. Let's start our context all the way back in Genesis 3, verse number 16. I believe this is the first mention of the word rule. Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3, we'll look at verse number 16. The Bible says, and uh, well, let's, let's, let's back up to verse number 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. This is what God's saying to the serpent. Then he says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Man, right there, you got the prophecy of a Messiah coming, the virgin birth, right there in Genesis. Now look at verse 16. Watch what he says to the woman. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he, here's the phrase, shall rule over thee. The husband was created as the head. The woman, the wife, was created as the help. That's how the home is set up right from the book of Genesis. One man is the head, one woman is the help. The head and the help. And the woman was created for the man. We, when we went through 1 Corinthians 11, we have a familiar verse. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man to be his help. And when the serpent came, the woman wanted to be an independent woman. And we see where that left us. In the book of Ephesians, we see the command to wives is to submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Why is that? Well, because way back in Genesis, ladies, why was Eve spending so much time talking with that serpent? She shouldn't have been. She shouldn't have been spending all that time with that old serpent. But she was. We know in Ephesians it says, and the wife uh, see that she reverence her husband. Um, because why? Why? Well, Eve didn't seek the advice of her, uh, of her husband. She didn't seek the advice of Adam. She didn't um, bring him into the conversation. Instead, Eve decided, 
I'm going to leave Adam out of the conversation. You go over there. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know that. But what did she do? She spent too much time with that old serpent and she was deceived. And so in Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 16, God says, He shall rule over thee. And you know what? Ladies, your husband is not going to be as kind as God is. And he's not going to be as gentle as God is. And he's probably going to be stricter on you than God is. What do you mean by that? Well, God was pretty open. He only gave them one rule and one command. Enjoy everything. I created it for you. Just one tree, stay away. That doesn't sound too strict. But Eve, she wanted to keep her husband out of the conversation. Adam, he's in the transgression as well. What happened? Sin entered into the world. And now God says, the man is going to rule over the woman. Now, this, his ruling is not to harm. That wouldn't be ruling well. It's not to hurt. It's not to embarrass his wife. That would not be biblical, the biblical way of ruling. But he is to direct her. He is there to wisely advise her. And as men, we need to learn and we need to know how to rule well so that we can grow up as wise rulers. Okay? Young men and even us older men. Look, sin brought us back. Sin brought, knocked Eve down a notch. She was created to be Adam's helpmeet, and now because of sin, God had to add something else. Now you need to be ruled. Why? Because of sin. And look at the phrase, look at the phrase at the end of verse 16, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. And even in physical desire, even in physical intimacy, and, 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 and the wife becomes pregnant and is going to have a child, even that's going to be painful. <laughs> even when she does have a proper desire. Why? Because of sin. This is why childbirth is painful for a woman. All that came after the fall. But the phrase, and he shall rule over thee. We want to be wise rulers to our wives and within our families to be able to advise and help direct so that the home, that marriage, can have good, good biblical, wise rulership. Okay? Let's go, that's the first mention of um, uh, rule. Let's look at Proverbs 17 and we'll get another context um, of what it means to rule. What it means to rule. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 
Verse number one, better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causeth shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. Now notice it says a wise servant. It doesn't say a wise father shall have rule over a son. It says a wise what? Servant. Now that's an, that's an interesting proverb with some good advice. You have trouble in a home. You have strife in a home. You have disagreement in a home. Proverbs now gives this principle. Now in steps the wise servant. Now I would guess that none of us have servants that live in our homes. But in Old Testament and in biblical times, there was a common thing. There was a servant of the household. We can relate to that nowadays in the, in the context of employment you know, an employer, employee, okay, servant, we get that. But this servant in the home, it's somebody that has influence on both sides, okay? And they can help work out differences. They can serve, if you will, as a moderator. And that servant in the home can serve as the moderator because both sides are appreciative of that servant, so when there's a problem, the father can say, okay, servant, the servant, I want, you to, I want you to take my son aside and I want you to tutor him. I want you to mentor him. I want you to help him. And then the father brings the son aside and he says, hey, son, I want you to listen to what this servant is going to teach you. He's going to help you. That's the principle of this proverb. There's somebody else coming in the midst of a problem with strife in a home. And God says, this servant has to be able to be wise. Okay, A wise servant shall have rule over a son. This rule that this servant has in mind, his end point isn't his own selfish goals. So he's going to help rule. He's going to help with a problem. But the end point for him, his motive isn't him. His motive is for the betterment of that son who is causing shame. So he's there to help. What does it mean to rule well? It means to help. To rule well means to help in the midst of problems. And if you had a servant living in your home, it is assumed by the text that there has been a level of trust that's already been established. What does it mean to rule well and be a wise servant ruling well? It's your people trust you. You've earned trust. And if you have a slothful son or a wasteful son, but you have a wise servant and he's respected by his master, he can come in and wisely take this son who's causing shame and he can help mold and mentor him. And the master can say to the servant, I need your help. Can you watch over this boy? And he says to the son, son, I want you to obey the servant. So we see that principle here in Proverbs 17. 
Go to Proverbs 25. This is a important one. Not that the others won't, but this is talking about how we govern ourselves. I believe we all can get some help from Proverbs 25. Look at verse 28. Another use of the word rule. Give us some context on what it means to rule well. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, verse 28, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You know what the principle of this verse is? I said it earlier. Self-government. You are able to control yourself. You're able to govern yourself. Do you know that some young people, they grow up, they've never learned this proverb, and they just can't. There's areas of their life that they just cannot gain rule over. It's almost as if they have to have someone in place to restrain them. It's almost like they need a wise servant continually in their life. Now that might come in a variety of forms, but if you and I don't learn this principle of self-government, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. It's, it's going to be our fault. So we need to learn how to rule our own spirits, ourself, something we should be concerned about. I believe it's unbiblical for a saved man or a saved woman, it's unbiblical for them to not govern themselves and rule themselves. God gave you the Holy Spirit. And we better know how to rule and restrain our own passions our own emotions, and our own affections. You got a temper? Rule it. <laughs> Do we have a spirit of haughtiness or pridefulness? Gain some rule over it. Rule yourself. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, when it talks about the gifts, healings, the gift of helps, and then it, and then it says the gift of governments. Somebody that's got the gift of governments would have to be able to be able to govern themselves. They would have to, by that gift, be able to rule their own self, their own spirit. They would be a self-governing person. And then because of that, they can help within the body, teach others how to govern themselves and others in accord to God's wisdom. Isn't it great how God brings these contrasts out all through the book of Proverbs? And it says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. It's good to build a wall. Build the wall. Build it. Build it. Because if you don't build the wall what you are going to end up with is what America has ended up with. Open borders. And you know what you have when you have open borders? Let all the illegals in. Come on. No wall. No borders. Just let them in. Let all the illegals in. 
And you know what you have? If you, don't, if you can't self-govern yourself, if you can't have rule over yourself, you and I have open borders. Let all the illegals in. Come on, just let them in. Sin of envy and wrath and malice and, and filthy communication and just go on down the line. If you can't govern yourself, you're going to let all the illegals in. Put some walls up. Amen. Govern yourself. Get some rule. You don't want malice coming in. You don't want the illegals of blasphemy coming in. God doesn't want that. <laughs> Govern yourself. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, look at verse 32. We see the, the contrasting verse that brings out uh, a further contrast of the spirit of yourself and then the city. Look, verse it says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth, see that? Ruleth his what? Spirit than he that taketh a city. You are better off Ruling yourself and governing your own spirit, you're better off than the man that can conquer and rule over an entire city. That's how important God is when He says, young man, young lady, get some self-government going on. Know how to rule yourself. Take care of yourself rather than worrying about the other person. Rule your own spirit. Well, I can take over a city. Yeah, big deal. You can't control and govern yourself. And that's what we're lacking. Self-government. The inner man should be like a city that is full of life. Rule. Get some control over yourself. It should have rejoicing and life in it. Your inner being and your inner spirit shouldn't be a life of riotousness and confusion and strife. Gain some control. Some Holy Spirit convicting control. That's what it means to rule well. Okay? That's what it means to rule well. And if you can do that, a lot of the other stuff will fall right into place. Go to Proverbs 29 if you would. Proverbs 29. The Bible says in verse 2. Proverbs 29, verse number 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people... Rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people warn. Now I know that a lot of American Christianity's problem is they read the Bible as if the Bible was written in and for Americans only. We read the Bible through American 
presuppositions and American uh, ideas. And America isn't in Bible prophecy. America isn't the nation of Israel. <laughs> uh, 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 okay, but, but at the same time, I can't help but read this verse and look at our country and say, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. The strange thing to me in America is that people are so far gone that they think an ungodly, wicked ruler like our president who is incoherent, incompetent, doesn't know the day of the week, people, there's people rejoicing over this. God says, you want someone righteous that's ruling. God's people can then rejoice. When you have any nation that has wicked rulership, the people aren't rejoicing, they're mourning. That's what we're doing in America. Why is it, why is it going this way? I mean, we, we know biblically, prophetically, why it's going this way. But this proverb still is in effect today, folks. You know who I want ruling? The most righteous person that we can have ruling. That's going to allow me to rejoice. These people are wicked. When you have governing control and you allow the murder of unborn babies, that is absolute wicked rulership. And God's people are not rejoicing. Nobody should be rejoicing about that. We're mourning. And what it means to rule well is to do things righteously and in accord with with right Bible principles. But what we have going on in our nation is a whole lot of wicked rulers. And people are not, God's people are not rejoicing at all. Look at the phrase, look at Proverbs 29. When the righteous are in what? Authority. Authority and righteousness. Well, I have authority. Are you ruling righteous? Then, then you're not worth nothing. If you have any authority, use it for righteous purposes. That's what it means to rule well. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, authority and ruling all go hand in hand. When the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. What does ruling well mean in this proverb? We can draw away from this. We need to lock sin up. <laughs> lock her up. Lock her up. And all those chants, no. Lock sin up. Lock sin up. Lock sin up. That's ruling well. You want to rule? What does it mean to rule well? Lock sin up. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And hallelujah. And righteous men need to step up and they need to give that tone to the society. 
and to the culture. That is what brings happiness and prosperity. When righteous men and righteous women walk around with this mindset, lock sin up, lock sin up. That's the mindset. I could never do that. You can, you can. You can walk around and you can think that in your mind. Get rid of sin. Get it out of my house. Get it out of my town. Lock sin up. Preacher, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. The righteous rule with authority that says we're going to get rid of evil. We're going to put it away from us, our family, our community, and we're going to live right. And if our nation doesn't get back to that, it's sunk. Any nation that forgets God is sunk. You can't forget God and expect the results to be good. Not personally, not in a marriage, not in a family, not in a community, not in a nation. The principle is the same all throughout those, re those relationships as they go broader. You can't forget God. You have to have righteous Righteous ruling is what brings happiness. Um, Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, verse 10. Proverbs 11, verse 10. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city does what? Rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting hallelujah praise god the wicked is, have been defeated hallelujah praise god sin has been locked up we need we okay is that pro, is that proverb any more uh current i want the wicked to perish and i'm going to shout about it when they do I want the wicked to be voted out and I'm going to shout about it when they do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to hide it. I want evil to be exposed and then put away. And I'm going to shout about it when it is. I want the wicked to perish. I don't want them ruling. I want the city to be exalted. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. I don't want any wicked souls, I don't want any wicked person, their soul to die and go to hell. I just don't want them sitting as my civil government officials. <laughs> I don't want them ruling over me. I don't want them ruling over my city. I want them to perish. I want them to get out of there. But don't misunderstand. No Christian wants any lost soul to perish eternally. We want them to be saved. And if they're not going to get saved, I want to get them out of office. I'm not voting for them. I'm not supporting them. I'm not being, I'm being vocal against the evil that they are doing. And if the town wants to bring wicked liquor to, to our community park, I'm going to be vocal about it and say, no, that's wrong. That's evil. Don't do it. Now, I can't govern them. And we as a local church can't govern them. But you know what we can do? Speak out against evil. 
promote righteousness. And I believe that's right. I believe that's right. I'm not trying to mix church and state and all that. I'm not trying to rule the local government. But I am commanded as a preacher to preach against sin and for righteousness. And I'm part of this community, and so are you. So I'm not going to tell them, uh, the, the civil authorities what to do. But I'll tell them what the Bible says. And I'll let the community know what the Bible says. We have to warn. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. When the righteous man do rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. I want righteous government. And God is going to set this up at His second coming. You can count on that. Go to Revelation 2. Take a little side trip there. We'll wrap up this thought before we move on. Revelation 2, verse number 27. Revelation 2, 27. God's going to come back and He's going to rule righteously. And He's going to set up a perfect government. Revelation 2, 27. And He, that be God, shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. Now, when it says He shall rule them with a rod of iron, Christ's government is isn't one of harshness. It's one of righteous strength. It's one that cannot be opposed by evil. No one will oppose him. And it's one that has power that is unbending, power that is unyielding, and power that is indestructible. That is Christ at his coming when he sets up his earthly kingdom. Until then, until that happens, until that happens, we want to have the best righteous men ruling in the kingdoms of this world. They'll never be perfect. No government down here will ever be perfect. It won't. Christ is going to set up something perfect. Until then, let's pray for righteous, the most righteous leaders we can have. None of them are going to be perfect. You're not perfect. None of them are going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'll tell you, I want to lean toward closer to the perfectness side I don't want to be I don't want someone that's leaning more to the unrighteous side make sense all right let's look at first Timothy chapter number three we'll look at two more verses first Timothy three what does it mean the rule well lock sin up right what else does it mean first Timothy three verse five. Oh, verse, we're talking about uh, church leadership. Uh, look at verse uh, Yeah, okay, verse number four. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? The simple answer is, he won't. He won't know how. But this verse brings to mind the comparison now of church and family. They're two different entities, but there's a lot of similarities. 
The church family is much larger than your immediate family. Okay? How many people live in a home? A mother, a father, how many children? Okay, so when you get to a local church, it's a lot more than that, right? It's not your blood family, yet it's your blood family. What do you mean? Well, it's not physical blood, but we are bought and purchased, right? That's what the church is. Christ purchased the church with his own blood. We're now part of that body. One blood. That's why we say hey, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not my physical related brother or sister, but that's there's a there's a similarity here. Um, there's a lot more. You got to arrange a home. You got to order a home. All that. But now in a local church, there's a lot more ordering and arranging, especially as more members are added to it. We are brothers and sisters. We're united together. The same as a home. It's united together. So to have a church leader, he has to be able to, what does it mean to rule well? You've got to have not only self-government, but you've got to be able to rule your own home. Now, if somebody gets out of line, you have to be able to firmly rule that. Because what happens if something gets out of line at church? You got to be able to firmly rule that. Wouldn't it be great if the you know the ideal family is there's no arguing, there's no fussing, there's no fighting, there's no disagreements. Ideally, but is that really a reality because of sin? It isn't. So the father has to be able to rule well, not harshly. Well, it's a picture of. The lesser first before the greater. And so ruling well means, hey, start with yourself, start with your family before we move into something larger like a church family. Um, do we all have feelings? Do we all have opinions? Do we all have emotions? We do. And in a home, you've got to be able to Everybody has to be able to self-govern that, and then the father has to be able to keep all that together. But if you can't keep it together at home, how are you going to keep it together at church? Should you care for your family? You should. Okay, if you can rule well there, you'll have a much greater chance of ruling well with the church family. Why? Because there's going to be a lot more care and it's going to have to happen. Within a local church, there's a lot more people. Okay, so it's a picture of the lesser to the greater. And um, do you want to have a home where the father cares? That'd be nice. Well, if he doesn't care for his own family, and it's three, four, five, six people, how in the world is he going to care for 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 people? Answer, he's not. So if he's not ruling well at home... He's not going to rule well. It's just not going to, it's not going to mix. So God warns about that. And he gives the picture that if you don't care about your own family, you're not ruling well. You have to care for them. It's the idea. He that is faithful, not which is least faithful also in much. All right, last verse will be done. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Watch this. 
Hebrews 13. What does it mean to rule well? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. As a pastor, it would be unprofitable for you if it was just a grief for me. <laughs> um, do you think civil leaders care about your soul? The answer is no. They don't care about us. They don't care about our souls. But within the church, there's going to be some leaders, there's going to be some brothers, there's going to be some sisters, there's going to be a church family that cares about you. And the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. And I would hope that we as Christians respect our church leaders more than we would civil leaders. They are not praying or laboring for or even thinking about your soul or my soul. They're not. And if... Look... Ruling well, what does it mean biblically to rule? In this verse, it has to do with caring for somebody's soul. Do you? Do you? Well, I'm not a ruler. It, it, it'd be nice to start with the caring for the soul part. And if you start with that, you would be ruling well. You're thinking of others. And... You know, when the Bible says, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, it has absolutely nothing to tying you in or obligating you to do wrong and obey wrong and get, and, and do, and get into sin when you shouldn't be getting into sin because the authority told you to. The Bible doesn't put you under any of that obligation. But this text, it assumes, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. The text assumes, if they are watching for your soul, then they have no selfish motive. The text assumes that they are caring for your soul, meaning they're not trying to lord over God's heritage. It's assumed within the scriptures in this verse and ruling, it's not oppressive, it's not abusive, none of that's biblical. But obey them that have rule over you. Are they ruling biblically? Are they ruling wisely? That means are they edifying you? Are they building you up? Are they promoting Jesus Christ? And do they have the care for souls? What does it mean to rule well? Can you govern yourself? Can you govern your home? Can you govern your marriage? Can you govern within the local church? God gives a lot of principles on how we can understand what it means to rule well.